Hello there. My name is D. Yvonne Rivers. I am the host for Birth Moms Real Talk podcast. This is a platform for birth or natural mothers to share about their journeys, to share about their stories. We cover the hot topics, the things where no one else will talk about or go there. We cover the truth. We cover grace and healing. This is a place where birth moms and natural mothers can share their journeys. We are not therapists. We do not give advice. So get your therapist. We listen and we allow birth moms and natural moms to share their story. Listen in. Good morning, everyone. My name is D. Yvonne Vivers. I'm host of Birth Moms Real Talk Podcast. We are in our third season. Believe it or not, it's been two over two years. I don't know how many episodes, 50, 51, whatever. We got some great things coming in this next third year, third year, third season. We got updates. We're going to be traveling across the country. We're going to be doing in-person support groups. And we've really listened and, and heard from you what things you feel like you need. I took a break, had to take a break, <laughs> and take a break whenever you need to take that break. Along with it, my life is a crazy life and a good life. So we'll appreciate you listening. Um, last I checked, we are over 45,000 downloads or whatever. So we're spreading the word with that. But we need your help too. Let me just ask for support because a lot of times I get on here and talk and I'm saying, we need your help. Patreon.com, follow us, like us, like the episodes and so forth, but support us so we can continue bringing these episodes. It costs money <laughs> and we want to continue to do that. But meanwhile, we've got an awesome guest here today, Lori. Come on in and start telling us about your journey. Hi, good morning. Thank you for having me. It's such a pleasure. Um, my name is Lori. I am a Jewish birth mom from a very small town in Pennsylvania. Um, most people have never heard of it. So I say that I am from Scranton because everybody has heard of the office. So <laughs> I am not far from there. Um, I am a birth mother um, from 1995-96. Um, and I talk about my story from a Jewish standpoint um, because my story is one that is typically never told that different somewhat how is it different because most of the birth moms natural mothers first mothers what you need to be called by don't talk about it so how is that silence different um i don't know if it's it it is different it's different because within the jewish community i i brought shame not that we don't bring shame to our to our families supposedly um but from a jewish standpoint we are typically um sent away um, we are, as one person has told me, locked in a closet or locked in the attic. Um, we are we are not talked about or basement. Don't or come basement. out when it comes through the door. Yes. 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 Absolutely. Um, and from the Jewish standpoint, I am looked down upon um, because of of being a birth parent. Adoption within the Jewish community is very prevalent. We know this. Um, but for the, when I go to speak to someone in regards to that and say, oh, are you in contact with the birth family or are you, do you want contact? I get told a lot that we, that they wish we didn't exist. Wow. Wow. Wait a minute. What does that mean? So you said adoption is prevalent in this society, in the Jewish society, mm -hmm. 
but how can a birth mom not exist if adoption exists? Exactly. The two go together, does it not? Exactly, 110%. Okay. Okay. And and so, I shouldn't say all. Um, it's it's more so within a very specific sect of the Jewish community. Okay. Um, that talk that, that I'm talking that. about. So yeah, talk to me about that. there are, there are different sects within the within the Jewish community, and this my experience, and I will only discuss this from my experience. Exactly. Um, is th- is when I am speaking to a Hasidic family specifically, that is what I get told. Okay. And I've been told that quite often in the last, specifically within the last year. Now, do you think, or or maybe you have the knowledge of in the Hasidic sect there, is adoption happening or they're just not talking about it? Oh, adoption definitely happens. Um, Adoption definitely happens, but they don't want to discuss it. They don't want to discuss, most don't want to discuss um, the the aspect of adoption because again it brings shame to their family because they couldn't um, have a child naturally. I, I'm assuming, and I, I'm making an assumption on my end as well. Um, but when I'm when I see a baby, I'm all about the babies. So when I see a baby, I'm like, oh, Mazel Tov, congratulations! You know, they are adorable, whatever. And then for some reason or somehow, we get into the conversation of oh, we just adopted. And I'm like, oh, that's wonderful. Um, Do you, are you in contact with the birth family? And that's when things go south. Okay. So they are open enough to acknowledge that they have adopted. So that that's okay. Yes. Um, But shutting out contact with the birth mom or parent. Correct. Well, you know, and, and, and again, and and we always want to hear forced comments or whatever about that. And I I I wanted the same thing because along with it, Laura, I think a lot of the moms, well, whether it's religious or whatever, that shame and so forth, or or whether it's teenage and so forth, like you've done a sin, if I can put it in that perspective, you know, with right. it. And and it's like, how have you overcome? Because you're talking. <laughs> you're talking. You're not quiet about it. So exactly. why, are you, why are you not quiet, silenced, and walking in that shame that yes. was attempted to be put on you? And that's what I say. People can try to put something on you, but it's whether mm-hmm. you receive 100%. 100%. And, and I was quiet for a very, very, very long time. And then I decided not to be. What what caused that change? What caused that change? So I have to change. say, well, I, I guess one of the things is being in reunion with my with my birth daughter. Okay. okay. Um, I think because she was not ashamed of my story because I was ashamed of my story for a very long time. And so I think because I was able to have conversations with her and she was okay with me telling my story. And her family was okay with telling me my story. It gave me the okay to tell my story to begin with. And then I've just kind of taken it from there and run with it. Do you think you would have overcome that to tell your story if you had not found your daughter, been in reunion? I do. I I think eventually, um, yes, absolutely. Because again, I have come into my own and I have decided that my story is a story. I, my story is a story that needs to be heard and needs to be told. 
Okay. Okay. So, and, and I find that with a lot of moms of saying, and, and it's various different things. Yours was, well, tell, tell us about the reunion with your daughter. Let's not overlook that. Okay. Um, so when she turned 18 or after she turned 18, she was a freshman in college and she reached out to me. Um, now I have to backtrack a bit and give you a bit of background here. Um, so this was supposed to be an open adoption. Okay. Um, it was not an open adoption. Um, and not by any fault of her or her family. It was honestly the attorney and I have to be very careful with what I say. Um, but, um, I am under the assumption and feeling, um, that the attorney that we used because it was a private adoption, um, that they were not necessarily ethical in what they did or said. Um, it was all about the money, honestly. So this was what year? 1995. 1995. So when you say open, I know there are different types of open adoptions, semi-open or whatever. So were there criteria that you were expecting that you would see or get pictures or what? Tell tell me about Um, what. Yes. Yes. So I had, I specifically chose this particular attorney for lack of a better word. Um, because it was an open, a completely open adoption. That was my request. I wanted to be able to see my child grow up. I wanted pictures. I wanted to know she was okay. That was, that was more so. I just wanted to know she was okay. The family was told that I didn't want anything to do with them after the first three months. And they were told that I didn't want anything to do with them, period. Okay. Now you just touched on, and and <laughs> listeners, you probably have heard this before, whether it was a private adoption, whether it's through an agency and so forth, there are mixed messages and stories about expectations. And I'll put my own personal side of it. And I'm an advocate for having original birth certificates for adoptees is that I never signed anything to say I didn't want to be found or have any connection, even though it's quote unquote closed, meaning the records were closed, but didn't mean for is that I was just refusing that. So that scenario in, I'll call it the adoption scenario, has been happening for years with that. So there were there were un, incorrect messages given. Is that what I'm hearing you say, Lori? A hundred percent. Okay, 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 okay. So that precluded you of getting what you were expecting, right? Correct, correct. And there wasn't a day that went by that I was not looking, feeling uh, for my child. Um, I had gone on, well, at the time, so the internet, so I always say, um, Google didn't happen until 1997. Uh, um, right. So I didn't have the opportunity to, to do Google searches and, and all of that. Um, however, what many years later, I had put myself out on every board that I could find looking for my child. Now talk about that because I mentioned that to something else. They were called uh, bulletin boards or something like that. Yep. Was that it? Because yep. I spoke about that. See, I was 1973. So you know okay. there's nothing out there in 1973. But the right. first things were coming and I don't even know, I don't know what it was, MySpace. I couldn't think of that name. Just yesterday I was talking to somebody. <laughs> the first, I guess, social media was MySpace. Back yep. in the se- early 70s or late 70s, or early 80s. And the person I was talking to, what? 
No clue. Because <laughs> it was so far back. But right. but likewise, you know, and I and I think I did call them bulletin boards or whatever. You you had no you had no idea who was reading it nope. or anything like that. Yeah. Nope. But continue, nope. continue with your story. But first, but, let's back up a little bit. Let's back up a little bit and tell about your story of you becoming pregnant and having your, yeah. your daughter. Tell us about that experience. So I was not making the best decisions in my life. I had just gone just broken up after a four-year relationship. Um, and I did not make I was not making good choices. Um, I was drinking, um, I was having unprotected sex. I was just, I was just doing me and at any cost. It did not matter. Um, so I became pregnant. Um, and I was in denial for quite a while before I said, okay, I'm, I finally need to deal with this. Um, once I finally came to terms with the fact that I was pregnant, um, I started to figure out what did I want to do? I went to an abortion clinic. I realized as I was filling out the paperwork, that was not the right decision for me. Now, I do want to say I am a firm believer that women have the right to choose what they do with their own bodies. But at that point in time, I could not uh, go through with it. Not to say that that would change now. Who knows? Um, But I walked out of there, uh, out of the, the clinic going, I don't know what to do right now. Um, mentally, um, I could not support myself financially. I could support myself, but, um, emotionally, mentally meaning what, um, I was not in a good headspace. I, I was suicidal. Uh, like there was, there was a lot of mental stuff going on, um, that I didn't even want to, you know, again, I was in denial. So like, I'm fine. Everything was fine. Um, you want to so, talk about a little bit about you leading up to that when you said you made some not good choices or whatever. Yeah. And talk so about I was your family and growing up. Yeah. Yeah. It, it basically boiled down to I partied at every chance I could possibly get. Um, I would not come home for days on end. Um, and I would just, I would drink. Um, I drank a lot um, to the point of, I don't remember most of, you know, what I was doing. I would wake up in strangers beds. I would wake up in strange places. And luckily I'm still here to tell that story. There was a reason why you were doing all that, Lori. Do you share, do you care to share about what was the driving force? That you were doing? Um, I was unhappy and I was just trying to find happiness anywhere I possibly could. Not that I did, but that's basically what it boiled down to. I was unhappy for so many years not realizing that I was unhappy within my relationship. And now I'm glad that we had parted ways. Um, but I didn't realize how emotionally um, he controlled me, how emotionally controlling my relationship was. How was your family? I mean, growing up in your family, what did you experience any kind of trauma growing up or just with, with this relationship and So I did. Um, The trauma for me was we had a fire in our house back in 1984. Um, That was my fault. Um, And I, I don't know if I've really ever recovered. I have been in therapy for it for many, many, many years. Um, My mother always used to say it was an accident. Look up the word accident. This was not done on purpose and it wasn't, but I, we lost everything. 
you came out and said there was a fire in 1984 uh-huh. and it's my fault. That is yep. a powerful statement. Tell me more. So the story goes that um, I think I was in, I don't know, eighth grade, ninth grade, ten, whatever. Um, I was at a camp. Um, we had a sleep out the night before and it poured. It rained. I threw, I came home and I just threw everything in the dryer. Didn't really think about it. Um, threw a, threw my sleeping bag and my pillow and my clothes all in the dryer. Uh, not realizing that you're not supposed to put a foam rubber pillow in the dryer. Um, that then proceeded to melt and caused uh, like very dangerous chemicals to be released in our house. It was, it smoked. Um, We were then out of our house for about two and a half years until we finally moved back in and rebuilt everything. So that's. What was your emotional state at that time when that happened? I went, I total and utter depression. So you were what age at that time? Uh, 12, 13, 14. Wow. So that was a major traumatic incident Mm -hmm. in life at 12 or 13. Yes. Talking about, and and, and listeners, I'm just really, as as we all, we all have our trauma stories. I call mine drama and trauma all together. (laughs) And it's not more than one time. It's more than one time or whatever with that. And so just based on that, because, you know, we tell our stories, we share and so forth. And that's what my question to you, Lori, what was behind that behavior that you were resisting or exhibiting? So from the age of 12 to 13, with this trauma taking place, do you see that as a leading up to where you were? Yes. Um, I think that was a huge part of it. I was very much, um, I was very depressed, um, I was also considered an outsider, so I didn't have a lot of friends. Um, and and as an outsider, I mean, uh, so I was a theater geek. I still am a theater geek and very proud of that fact. Um, I have been a dancer since I was a kid. Um, so I was very much a loner um, and made fun of because of it. Um, I was, I was. Um, you only child? Were you only child? No, I have three, I have three older sisters. Okay. Much you, older than me. You call yourself the outsider. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's what I've always called myself because I was, I was always, I always felt like I was outside looking in. Okay. okay. Now you, you started out in talking about the Jewish perspective of being ashamed and so forth. So were your family a practicing Jewish family or traditions? Yes. Yes, absolutely. So my mother, (laughs) my mother grew up um, in an Orthodox household. Um, My father grew up in a reformed household. And when they got married, um, they came to the conservative movement. (laughs) That was kind of the, the agreement between them, whatever. Um, But I went to a, an Orthodox uh, elementary school growing up. And um, a very small class. I literally graduated in a class of eight um, and did not have a, had a very, very bad experience. That was my first suicide attempt was in eighth grade um, because of where I was. Okay. 
So you've just spelled out in these first few minutes, we're talking about various different traumas. Mm-hmm. They obviously will have an effect on you. Definitely. That. Yes. Yeah. So moving on forwards and having your child, you want to talk about the birth experience and your partner that you were with or your birth father. Was there a relationship there or how was that? So actually it wasn't until I want to say a year or two ago that we even figured out who the father was. Mm. Um, I did not know who the father was. I had an idea as to who it may be or may not be, but I didn't have any idea. Um who the birth father was. And I went through the whole, uh, pregnancy and, uh, by myself. Um, I didn't have anybody. I actually moved. So part of my story is that I moved from Pennsylvania to Florida so that I didn't bring shame to my family, which again, goes back to the Jewish standpoint for me, um, goes back to the Jewish standpoint of, Um, when you do things that are not within the faith, um, you bring shame, not only to yourself, but to your family. And I didn't want to do that. So I literally packed up everything that I had and I moved, luckily I had a job and I moved from Pennsylvania to Florida, um, in order to while pregnant, while pregnant, um, (laughs) and was, you know, I mean, I look back and I was definitely running away. I mean, there's, there's no doubt in my mind. That's what I was doing, but I guess I was also looking for, um, just something a to call my own, but B to not have to deal with my family at that point. Mm. So all alone, you move across the country (laughs) to Florida. Yep. And help me did you know someone there? Nope. I knew my boss. <laughs> okay. Okay. And so you move in there, you move with your job. You move with a job. Yeah. So as so as far as anyone knew, I was moving because I had a job in Florida. Um, my boss, who I worked for in New York, had moved to Florida and was actually looking for a secretary. And bingo. Uh, um, I knew how to handle him very well. He's one of the bosses who I loved, but he would be ooh shiny. He like he would never be in places at the same time at the right time. But I knew how to how to wrangle him. Um, I always say so. Uh, it was it kind of worked out that way that I was able to at least move for a job, and that's what all the everybody was under the assumption as to why I was moving. Did you tell anyone at all that you were pregnant? Um, I had two friends at the time um, that knew that I was pregnant. Um, they were not very welcoming or helpful once Mm -hmm. I told them. So you were in this all yourself Mm -hmm. with that. How'd you deal with that? I didn't. I'll be honest. I did. That why that, is that why (laughs) you didn't want to be here? Yes. Um, I, I didn't deal with it when I moved to Florida after like, between working and trying to find, you know, myself, I spent a lot of time in my apartment and didn't really leave. Um, I became very much a, a, even more of a loner. I mean, I didn't know anybody. I didn't get to know anybody. I didn't get to, you know, I didn't go out much. I would go to the supermarket if I had to, that kind of thing. So when did you 
decide to place your child? I had decided on um, before I left Pennsylvania that that's what I was. That was my plan. Why? Um, because again, I couldn't. I couldn't take care of me. Okay. I couldn't take care of me. How was I going to take care of this little tiny human being that would depend on me for everything? Okay. And I didn't want. Honestly, I didn't want to harm the child. Right. Right. You know, and thank you for your honesty and your candid with this, because uh, I, I encourage the listeners to listen in to see what Lori is saying. Um, words can be said, but there's emotion and power behind those words. And they say so much yep. is the fact of her realizing that she's in a place that was really hard for her right now. And then she said, um, attempts you know, are not being happy and feeling like you, this is not a life you want to be in. But at the same time, in thinking of her child and taking care of her child. So I, not to get on a high horse or whatever, but that whole perspective of, and I, I'll use the word society, whether it's people in adoption or whatever else and so forth, that when moms will place their children, they love their children. Yeah. Stop yeah. You don't love your child. So so you're there, you're staying in your house, whatever. So the birth experience, I mean, was anyone there for you or what? So I so so I'll give you a little bit of background in so when I went into the attorney's office, I picked the family that I wanted to adopt. Okay. Um, I had my criteria. There wasn't much criteria, but there was criteria nonetheless. Um, and my two things were that they were Jewish and that they were well-established. That was it. Okay. Um, so why did you so, choose the, the couple that you did choose? Um, because more so because they were Jewish and I didn't have very many choices because I, I at least through that attorney, um, you know, I, I went through the books of families with their, you know, beautiful photos and their one paragraph of this is what this is about us, yeah. you know, um, was not guided in any way. So um, I chose them. Um, but um, they it was it was very odd for both of us. Like when we oh, would meet, so was it completely open to the fact you met? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. I met them. I, I hung out with them, you know, a few, you know, maybe one, I don't know, not a lot of times, but I, I hung out with them. Um, I mean, they were trying to get to know me as much as I was trying to get to know them, but it was just, it was not, it wasn't a comfortable situation. Um, but they were not there. They were actually on their, so, so my daughter was born early. So they were actually away on a, on their last couple's trip or couple trip when she was born. Um, I, the people that were there with me was the attorney's paralegal. And I believe another attorney, I don't remember, I remember her fit. I remember who she is, but I don't remember her title. I believe she was in another attorney. Um, and that's who was there with me. Um, at the hospital at the hospital. And I honestly think that the reason why was because they wanted to make sure that their investment was being, uh, was going to not blow up in their face. Ah, put a pin in that. 
Put a pen in that. Put a pen in that. You know, <laughs> I understand every word you just said. <laughs> I understand every word you just said, but it, it comes to mind. So were you still in relation with your family? So did your family no. know? Nope. Okay. Nope. So you, it was not a relationship with your family when you got pregnant. When you no. Moved. Okay. So the two friends who knew of it, did you reach out to anyone after you had your daughter? Nobody. Okay. Nobody. So after your daughter was born, tell me about the next steps. So I ended up reaching out to my mother after she was born, not for the reason that anybody thinks. Um, I had actually gotten a an infection and was placed back in the hospital for about two weeks on very heavy uh, antibiotics. Um, and so I called my mother just saying that I was ill. I mean, I was, but um, that was the first time that I had actually spoken to my mother in, I don't know how, how long, a very long time. For me, a very long time. So what was your response? Um, all she kept saying was that she just wanted me to be healthy. That was, you know, that was it. They didn't have, they didn't know anything. They didn't know why, you know, what the infection was. They didn't know. So you did not tell them you had had a daughter. Nope. You just said you were, who had an infection. Nope. I just said I had an infection. I got sick and I was in the hospital. Okay. Okay. I have to breathe on this, Laurie. <laughs> Thus you get it. So many different traumas from 12, 13, mm-hmm. um, all different situations you just talked about. And we know um, you haven't gone into the details and you don't need to go into details, but just listen, just listen in because Lori's story is a story of hers and her journey. And that's, that's why I do this podcast, is to give a platform to first birth natural mothers to share their journey. The back end of it, or the backstory, are those emotions and the traumas behind it that you hear the story, you hear the words, but imagine the emotions and the trauma behind it. So you let your mother know. Now, how long were you back in the hospital? Uh, I was in the hospital for about two weeks. Okay. okay. Um, so meantime, now, what was your daughter? Um, so from what I can remember, um, she was, so she was very, very tiny when she was born. She's not very tall, but she's very tiny. Um, she was taken to the ICU because she was early, but she was very, very healthy. Um, so the uh, adoptive family came home and with it, I think it was three days after she was born, I went in to sign my, my paperwork, um, that needed to be signed, uh, in order to, for the adoption to go through. And basically I went in, I signed and they said, thank you very much. And that was the end of any kind of support support. And I say that word very loosely, um, any kind of support that I had at all. Uh, I'm bringing forth to three days after you had birth, gave yep. birth. And this is typically normal mm-hmm. that so a short period of time that you're signing final legal papers, legal yep. papers yep. about your decision. It's that way. 
And I bring this up the way I bring it up because giving birth is 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 giving birth. <laughs> I mean, exactly. And I emphasize that for the fact, you know, it's like it's not like you just going in for an inpatient procedure. Right. <laughs> and then go right. back home, just rest for the day and so forth. Because I, I can just think myself, you know, I stayed in the hospital for three days. And it was like, it, it was it was giving birth. Your body changes, your body changes. And I yep. speak about fours and the time when you when you find you're pregnant, you're caring for nine months. And a person, I call it, I call a little person in you. You're growing a little person in you. Right. And so it's amazing of coming from, I'll call it a medical procedure or giving birth is of going in and signing final legal papers. That's yep. a statement. And I always put that in perspective or understanding yeah. of what that mom is at at that particular time. So when in you sign your papers, so what was the next day like for you? Um, I don't think I really ever recovered from that. Um, did you take I, any time off? Did you take any time off? Nope. Nope. Well, I, I, it was forced time off because I, I got, I had the infection and had to take the time off. But other than that, no, I was, I, nobody, the, there were only a few people where I was working that even knew I was pregnant because I dressed you know, I, I, I dressed in A-line dresses. So like nobody, everybody just assumed that I was just heavy. Uh, um, so nobody so, brought you, no one came to your house and brought you a casserole. No, no, no casseroles, I, no casseroles I, to me. <laughs> I heard the conversation. It was something I was listening to and it was talking about disenfranchised grief. And someone described disenfranchised grief as you don't get a casserole when you have a <laughs> So right. it's like, okay, you didn't get a casserole. No, no, no. but that's a great no. way of putting it though. I really do like that. <laughs> Don't get a casserole when you have a lot. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So tell me moving on after that, um, how much your life and the place with until your daughter was placed, it was to be open. It was not open. Um talk about just prior to your daughter contacting you? Um, so once I, I placed for adoption um, and relinquished my rights, um, I, I again did not, was not making, still was not making good decisions. I ended up getting married very soon after that to somebody I should not have been married to. Um, however, the only good thing that did come out, I do have another child that I did raise. Um, so I did, I did raise her, um, and that's one of the things that I say was probably the only good thing that came out of my marriage and my time in Florida. Uh, um, so um, from there, um, I left and I was I was never happy. Um, I was never happy in Florida. I mean, I was I was just never happy and I couldn't really figure out how to how to how to move on. Um you no matter therapy? did you get therapy? Yes, I finally, I finally, um, again, insurance. Um, I finally had gotten insurance that covered therapy, and I have, I was in therapy for a very long time, and I still am in therapy. 
um, you know, it's, I have now come to, and again, I guess that's one of the reasons why I do tell my story um, because I want, I was alone. I was very much alone. I don't want other people to be alone. Right. Right. And I think that's one of the bigger reasons why I tell my story. You know, you, you've laid out for the fact of what it looks like. You give a descriptive narrative that people listening could just hear about that time of being alone, as well as managing it as best as you can. And that's what we can do as best as we can. Yep. Therapy is something as a support. Yes, I'm in therapy and I yeah, do your work, ladies. Yes. Well, do you, because it's for you, not for anyone else. It's for exactly. you. It's for you to manage. And Laura, you said something earlier, part when we're recording, is like you think of your child every day. Most of us, my son comes to mind right after I got up this morning. Yep. It's like, <laughs> you know, it may sound really, I don't know, whatever. It is, oh, every day, yes, in some perspective or whatever. Uh, and, and really, real, realistically, if you think about it for us in genetics, genetics is a powerful thing. Yes. If you just think in terms of for us, and I think for us people who, who have intact families and haven't had the separation, well, maybe I, I say take for granted. Maybe it's not take for granted. You see your brother, your sister, or so forth, or whatever. You have that connection. You really have that 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 internal connection. But it's that 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 birth thing. And I, I always would say, birth bond is never broken. Maybe separate, but it's the yeah. bond is never broken. Yeah, the bond I agree. is never broken with that. Yeah, I agree with so, that. So with therapy, where are you now? Where are you mentally now? Do you want you to share more about the actual reunion with your daughter? Because I love reunion stories. Absolutely. And like good, bad, ugly, or whatever, and so <laughs> forth is the fact. And I'll say this, whether it's one time, whether you see them, don't see them, know of them, know of them, find a grave or whatever. And I've heard adoptees say, they just want to know. They just yeah. want to know. So tell me about your daughter, why she searched for you, and how was that reunion? So she apparently had known that she was adopted since very, very, very young, um, which was great. Um, I had written a letter to her just days after she was born that I had given to the attorney asking them to please give it to the adoptive family, never knowing if they did or they did not at this point. Um, so she reached out to me. Um, she was a freshman in college. Um, she, she mailed me a note. I still have the, the note that I got. I know you do. <laughs> it, is, it's on my, <laughs> it is on my wall. Um, and it just basically said, I met you on March 23rd, blah, blah, blah. Um, please reach out if you choose. If you don't, I wish you, I wish you well. Um, here is my address, but here is my email. And I was not going to snail mail anything at that point <laughs> um, I immediately got on and I emailed her um, she apparently I found out later that she left class she was in her class and I guess I emailed during class and she picked up her things and went back to her room um, called her mother um, and it, I think it was even that same day that we got on Facebook and um, Facebook 
each other. Um, but what I found out was that a, um, she and her family had Facebook stalked me all along, which is fine. <laughs> um, and so when we, we, we met, um, so we met I just like around. What she said. I like what she said. We met. That was a birthday. We met. I we love met. it. Yep. I love it. Yes. Yep. Um, uh, so just around Thanksgiving, maybe right after Thanksgiving, um, my husband and I um, took a drive to a very another little beautiful town in Pennsylvania. Um, and they came and met us and we met for lunch. Um, and that's actually where I where we realized um, that um, a she looked just like me, um, but B um, she that was why I never heard from them. We she so we were going through her baby book. They had brought me the baby book. I wanted to see photos. I wanted to see how she grew up. There were so many similarities. It was really scary. Um, but we got to the last page and the, the adoptive mother says to me, you should have these photos. And I said, what photos? And she looked at me and she said, you were supposed to receive those photos. I said, I haven't received anything from you except for this gift that you had given me from your last trip wow. to wherever you went. And she kind of looked at that been? How many years had that been? 19. Years, so you never received those photos. Never received the photos. Never received any updates, which apparently they had sent to the attorney. Never, nothing. Um, which again came back to they were told one. That's how we found out that I was told one thing and they were told the other. Unfortunately, yours is not the only case. Oh, I'm aware. That is bad. <laughs> it's not the only. Yeah. I'm sorry that happened. I'm sorry. Because obviously there was an interest on their side to keep you up updated. Yes. And, and a very quick little story. Um, so they would be traveling um, to uh, Chicago or the Chicago area. And they would stop in the town in which I live um, at a Denny's. Uh, um, and I always found that really interesting um, because I wondered in their mind, were they going to run into me, mm -hmm. happened to run into me when they were there? Mm -hmm. Because there are many other places along that route that they could have stopped, but they always stopped in Wilkesbury. Did you ever go to that, Denny's? Oh, yeah, all the time. See? <laughs> <laughs> you know, this is the, the amazing thing about reunions with it. That you could sometimes be in the same room, town, mm -hmm. restaurant, pass through, or whatever, and have no clue. Yes. Have no clue. Yes. Oh, wonderful, wonderful. <laughs> so that was, when, when did you meet her? How long ago? Um, we're going, I guess, on four years now. Um, We text every day. Okay. Um, not, okay. you know, even if it's just, hey, just thinking about you, love you, done. Um. I text every day. And if I don't text, she will email, she will text me and say, is everything okay? So I've kind of become a part of that. The one thing that I do talk about a lot though, is that I walk a very fine line as I guess most birth families do with the adoptive family. I don't want to overstep any bounds. Right. So for me, it is, it is, I, I, I always say, and I talk about this in the book a lot that 
Um, I walk the name of your book. From Mistakes to Miracles, A Jewish birth, birth Mother's Story of Redemption, Hope, and Healing. Okay. On Amazon? On Amazon. Okay. <laughs> um, and I talk about walking that fine line because I try not to give my opinions on things, A, unless I'm specifically asked, but even then I am very careful with my words. Good, good, good. So how often have you, do you see her? Not often, only because she doesn't live close to here. <laughs> um, so I don't get to see her. We do FaceTime every now and again. Um, but I also leave that to her. I don't, um, I, I, when she wants to FaceTime or she wants to speak or she, I let her make those moves. I, the only thing that I do every day is I text her. But other than that, I well, let her so make all the that's decisions. Every day it's huge. That's, oh, that's good. <laughs> it's huge. It's huge. I am honored and grateful for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and that's the thing about with, with reunion. And and I, I make this statement, uh, and I always talk about that people who are outside this of this arena believe that reunion. Oh, everything's fine now. You don't need it's beginning. Reunion is the beginning. That right. In, we make that really clear because you're building a relationship with someone yep. you're intimately involved with, intimate strangers, but you have to build that relationship. Yes. And Agreed. I always talk about for us, allow yourself that grace and that healing to build because really realistically, uh, you meet someone on the street or a new business associate or work associate, you got to build it with them too. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And so, so I, I'm talking to the birth moms out there is the fact, give yourself patience, give yourself time because this is the beginning. And, 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 and I'm speaking for myself. My intention is to build the most authentic, genuine relationship with my son. No holes barred, complete honesty, openness. I, my right. newest acronym is HOT, H-O-T, honest, open, and transparent, completely honest, open, and transparent to give your child the honesty about your life. They're not care, don't really care about what it was, ups, downs, whatever. They just want to know the truth. Yep. The truth will make you free. Absolutely. Yep. Now we typically cover a hot topic. So <laughs> what's the hot topic for the day, Lori? You want to talk a little bit more about, well, just tell me for what you like other um birth natural first moms to get from your story or just give them some encouragement or what? Absolutely. Um, so my, my, my thing is, again, the reason why I do this is to allow other birth mothers, first mothers, natural mothers to know that they don't need to walk this path alone. And I always say that had I had anybody, anybody around me, I may have taken a very different uh, turn. Um, I may have gone right instead of left or left instead of right. Um, but you don't have to walk this path alone. And that is, to me, um, whatever path you are on right now is the path you were meant to be on. But you don't have to walk that path by yourself. Absolutely. And that, for me, is a is a really huge thing because I did walk this path alone. And I don't want anyone else to walk that path alone. Yeah. And, and we're in this together. We're in this together. Yes. 
That's why I say there's a bond between moms because it's like, or people who understand, I put it that way. Yeah. Other people may love you, but they don't understand. Yes. Not yes. Shoes or that scenario there. But uh, you've been listening to birthmomsrealtalk.com. Well, I'm, that's my website. <laughs> but, but contact us as Birth Moms Real Talk. Tell your story. Share your story. Please um, like this part, like this episode. It's on Apple, Spotify, and support us. Please support us. This is coming. We do have a Birth Moms Real Talk village that we have a private Zoom once a month. and invite you to join us, Lori. Um, but we need your support. This comes out of my pocket, my pocket mostly for production and all of that, because that's how much I want this platform to be here. So please support us, uh, like us, share. And if you want to share your story, because your story is your story too. But this is the Yvonne Vivers Birth Module Talk podcast host. We thank you for listening and we'll see you next time. You have been listening in to Birth Moms Real Talk Podcast, a platform where birth moms and natural moms share their stories, their journeys. If you are a birth or natural mom and wish to share your story, please go to our website at www.birthmomsrealtalk.com. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Birth Moms Real Talk. Join our private Birth Moms Real Talk Village, a private Facebook and a monthly Zoom, a welcome package with a journal and book readings. Support us through Patreon, on our website, or PayPal. We are the place of grace and healing. See you next time.